Swagoo and Perk, an ESPN podcast led by its namesake hosts, Marcus Spears, that's Swagoo, and Kendrick Perkins, that's uh, Perk. We've got new episodes every Tuesday morning. Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journeys, and their can't-miss conversations. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday morning. Thursday morning. That was a weird one. Thursday morning. Uh, joining me from New York City, where he's been covering the Knickerbockers this week, is Tim Bontemps. Hello, guys. Beat uh, our buddy Band McMahon's uh, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, a, a rare uh, laugh or win for the Knicks these days. Probably the uh, best game the Knicks have played all season last night. One of Very R- impressive. One of, of R.J. Barrett's best games for sure. Mitchell yes, Robinson. he's been great lately. Joining us from Dallas, Texas is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. I've uh, jumped onto the Memphis Grizzlies bandwagon as long as this winning streak lasts. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you definitely got to see a uh, pretty good Memphis, uh, Memphis uh, Warriors game uh, earlier this week in Memphis. Where are you now? I am back. I'm back home, back in Dallas, Texas. Okay. All right. That's what I thought. Um, that's what I thought. Must be yeah, a short saw... stay on the bandwagon. There's a winning streak still going on as of now. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon in spirit. But yeah, I got to see two of the best point guards in the league, two of the most exciting point guards in the league, John Morant and Steph Curry. Uh, you broke some news about one of the best point guards in the league, and unfortunately, it's not good news. This was a, uh, this was a bummer. Um, Dame Willard, uh, he's scheduled to have surgery today as in Thursday, um, in Philadelphia as a specialist in Philadelphia who specializes in abdominal injuries, abdominal surgeries. Um, uh, and it's, it's typically it's, you know, it's, it's a sports hernia procedure, but that's sort Mm -hmm. of an all encompassing term. Um, so that's a six to eight week recovery normally, but that's what we're going to talk about here. I mean, the bummer is Lillard's out. He's been out for, um, I think Thursday he'll miss his 12th game of the year. So they've, they've had, they haven't had him for a while. Um, it was pretty clear. The Blazers are beginning a six game road trip, uh, yeah. this week. Um, and when they first, when they shut him down, this is the second time they've shut him down. They said, we're going to shut him down for one to two weeks and then decide Now, when he didn't go on this road trip with the Blazers, it was obvious that this was something was going on. And that's one of the reasons why I followed up and, and found out the, the decision had been made. So really the question guys is now what, what happens to the Blazers? The Blazers are in 10th place right now. So still, you know, in the, in the conversation, but McCollum is out uh, indefinitely with the collapsed lung. Um, Dame is now out indefinitely. And while he could return this year, I don't know if the Blazers really want him to return this year. I think it would be better to let him heal. And frankly, I know that it's a, it's a dangerous word and it gets people's backs up. Bontemps, don't you think the move right now for the Blazers with their current situation is to tank? Yeah, I mean, whether, whether you call it tanking or not, They've got two guys on expiring contracts in use of Nurkic and Robert Covington, who in theory could fetch them some pretty interesting assets on the trade market. And when their absolute ceiling is maybe they can hang around in what is a pretty 
ugly race to 10th place in the suddenly very weak Western Conference, uh, I think it would be much smarter for them to turn Nurkic and Covington into some guys that they could have going forward, um, you know, combination of draft picks and young players, either to have around whatever the next iteration of the Blazers is around Dame next season or potentially to whatever the new version of the Blazers is going forward if the Blazers decide to make a big Damian Lillard trade this summer. But the idea, you know, I think we've talked about this on the pod recently, the idea of fighting for the 10th seed, like if that's your ultimate ceiling, if you're Portland at this point, it does not seem like that is worth, you know, trying to ride it out with guys that don't make a lot of sense to keep beyond the deadline. Well, and and here's the thing, like, like you said, their ceiling this season is scrap fight claw, earn your way in the playing tournament and get spanked in the first round. Like for, for who, for what? Um, and that honestly, that was their ceiling probably with Dame without him. You know, I, I, I think the unintentional tank is going to kind of take its course. And so why not use this season as a total reset? You know, why not? Uh, and I don't want to say fire sale, but why not try to get value for veterans who won't fit into a, a rebuild, whether it's a rapid rebuild or whether it's a, you know, strip it down rebuild. Um, you know, why not go out and try to get, uh, you know, get what you can for the two guys you mentioned. And, you know, I think it, I think we, when we've talked about this before, we've seen the peak of the Dame McCollum backcourt pairing. And it was, it was very good. It was good. It, there, there were some very good seasons. It was not great enough to be a legitimate championship contender. And it, it's time to uh, move in a different direction. Um, so I, I think that the kind of this season, they need to get what they can for the guys, uh, the vets around Dame. I think they need to at least aggressively explore the market for all those guys. And then this summer, you know, they, they have the, the Dame decision to make. Uh, but again, I think even with Dame right, it was kind of headed in this direction. But the thing is, Dame hasn't been right. Obviously, we saw it uh, late last season in the Olympics. You know, even when he went out the first time, there was talk around the league of, hey, this is more serious than a, he's going to take a few games off and it's going to be okay again. And it, 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 it reached this point, which is unfortunate. It's also an opportunity, though, for the Blazers. Well, the, other, the, thing, the reason I didn't mention CJ is, you know, when you look at the amount of money he's owed, I'm not sure that's a deal. Let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about that. So the reason you brought up Covington and Nurkic right away is they are they not only are they very tradable, but they're but they're they're players who be in who contenders would I think be interested in. Um, yep. So Nurkic is on the last year of his contract, makes twelve million dollars flat. Uh, there's a lot of guys who can be traded for him. Um, I do think that the Blazers uh, are going to move forward. I mean, they're not looking; they're they're still centered on Dame, and the concept here is he's going to get healthy. You know, he says he has other injuries that are nagging him as well. Yeah, obviously, the abdominal injury is the most severe. There's other stuff going on with him that he, frankly, could use just a rest. He did have a a busy summer um, playing for uh, Team USA, so. Um, you know, that's part of it, sort of, it would be almost be a reset for him just to get, you know, good and healthy um, over a, a long break. So, you know, Covington makes 13 million also in the last year of his contract. He's been traded three times on this deal. Um, if he keeps signing contracts right. that are at this level, he'll continue to get traded. He's kind of a guy like Jay Crowder. Um, a lot of people uh, want players like that. And a lot of people, you know, he's very tradable. So everybody um, wants a three and D wing. And the thing is, when he gets traded, there's always a pick going back the other way because it, he is valued. 
I think honestly, I think two picks. Think, but last time he got traded, he got traded for two firsts. Yeah, I yep. think so, he's been. I do think he's been overvalued, but you know, well, he's valued. There are. I tell you what, when you watch Covington, there are some nights where you're like, "Wow, he gave us nothing," and then there are other nights where you're like, "Boy, he he was the difference maker in the win." And you can produce film and stats supporting. He's very Danny Green like. He goes very hot and very cold. Another guy who's been passed. Except for he's week. he's a he's a great. Uh, he's a very good team defender, but he's right, not, not a, a good isolation guy. The, yeah, you're, you're you're not putting him on the other team's best score. No, that's okay. always been the that's always been the misnomer with him for sure. So, so I think those two guys. The other thing is a couple a couple other things. First off, the Blazers' uh, draft pick is lottery protected. It's owed to the Bulls um, that they sent uh, to get Larry Nance as a part of a three way trade. Um, Larry so Nance, by the way, another guy. That if they decide to turn around, they could probably fetch something for over the next for month. Sure. He's dealing with, uh, uh, I believe it's a bone bruise in his knee right now. So he's out for a, a month or so, three weeks or so. But obviously, the season still can come back and play a lot. He has a very interesting contract, $10 million this year, and then it goes down to $9.5 million next year. Very tradable. Uh, and then, you know, so they have their draft pick to also think about. You know, um, you know not that I think that, uh, you know, it's something that they would be a guiding principle, and not that I think they're going to be in a position to be a, you know, a top three pick, but you never know. I mean, with the way the lottery yards are, right. it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. I mean, look at, look at the, look at the Raptors last year. They weren't expecting to be a top three pick. They traded Kyle Lowry. They went down for two months. They got Scotty Barnes, right? I mean, now they didn't they're trade Kyle Lowry. They just shut him down. Or they didn't trade. Right. They didn't. That's true. They didn't right. trade him. They should have traded him. And then he ended up not right. playing anyway, but they tanked it. Ended up and they ended up jumping right. up to fourth. Yeah. And I tell you, top, you, you think know, the Blazers three, would take Scotty yeah. Barnes? Yeah. Would that be a absolutely. nice pickup? Absolutely. It would, it would not be difficult for the rock or I'm sorry, for the Blazers to sink. They, they won't catch the Rockets. They certainly, you know, the, the Oklahoma City tanker will make sure that they don't catch them. But it wouldn't be surprising to see them sink to uh, right Five, above six, that. So. Yeah, right yeah. above that. And then, yeah. you know, only two teams beneath them in the uh, in the east. And here's the other thing. Uh, Anthony Simons has already been benefiting from more playing time. He's a free yes. agent to be as been putting up some big games. I mean, they've. They've been losing a lot, but he's been taking advantage of his playing time. And also, they really like Nasir Little, who I believe mm-hmm. is also... He's played very uh, well this year. He's had a nice step forward. He's a extension eligible after this year, I believe. I believe. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And the other, got, factor uh, here too, the other factor here, too, for Portland is that, you know, we've talked about recently on the pod about how this trade market is going to be kind of hard to read. And all these teams that have a chance to maybe be in the playing tournament... Sellers. There's not a lot of sellers. So if you jump in and you've got Yusuf Nurkic and Robert Covington, even if you don't trade CJ or don't find a trade you like for him, those might be, you know, two of the three or four best players who are available over the next month. So you could really get a premium for him. And Nance too, right. So the decision really to me, I think those other guys, I think those guys are going to pop. I haven't heard this, but my expectation is because they're, you know, the Blazers are still waiting to hear how the surgery goes and everything, but um, my expectation is that, you know, those guys are going to pop up on the trade market. The question is now McCollum. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to be clear, like my feel from talking to uh, folks in this realm, be careful how I frame it, um, is that the Blazers don't want to like trade these guys for uh, for for second year players. They, they, they want some other guy. They want some guys that they're going to instantaneously be recontenders next year. Um, they just want to retrofit what they've got. And so that's where McCollum comes in. So one guy that, so Nurkic has been eligible for an extension uh, and he hasn't gotten one. They, you know, they haven't been able to work out a deal. And so 
you know, maybe Nurkic ends up staying because Nurkic and Lillard um, have been terrific uh, pick and roll partners over the years. I don't think there's like a desire to get out of Nurkic, but there's also I not do a huge know, market for centers either, which makes trading that's true. him kind of difficult. From but if standpoint. they decide to move, so one of the guys that that um, I have been told that the Blazers have some interest in is Miles Turner with the um, could see that the Pacers. Now Miles Turner is a guy who, if the Pacers decide to move, and we think that they're going to move, they're likely, you know, even recently, Bontemps, I believe, were you at the game where the Pacers played the the Celtics the other night? They they played. Yeah, I've seen the Pacers a couple times in the past week. Yeah, yeah they played the, they played the Celtics on Monday. Have your home. eyes recovered? <laughs> that that game Monday was one of the uglier games I've ever seen. Pacers Celtics ended up going to overtime with the Celtics winning. Not, Miles, not pretty. Miles, Miles Turner is about two crunch time sittings away from writing trade beyond his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, um, you know, Rick Carlisle is 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 leaning towards only playing either him or Sabonis, not both. Uh, the, the it's almost like Rick realizes it's 2022 in the NBA. <laughs> hey, look at the Cavs. The Cavs. That's a fair point. The, uh, by the way, the Pacers really have a plus plus minus for the season, by the way, which is wild. And they're they're they've been so bad in late and close games, something that McMahon has seen Rick Carlisle teams do in the past, uh, that they are 10 games under 500. I've also seen real Rick teams aside, be elite in those situations. So as, as a real quick aside, McMahon, your jazz Wednesday night, they're playing the Cavs. They're missing like their top three. Seven. They're missing Rudy. Uh, they're missing Whiteside, and they, and they 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 sent out the little Munchkin lineup against the Giants. Okay, so the Cavs come well. in with their with their all their bigs. It was a bad night for the Jazz. Okay, so Joe Ingles, who um, <laughs> just got out is, of COVID protocols, just got out of COVID protocols, and how would you describe Joe Ingles? Crafty, um, uh, crafty, cantankerous. Okay. So I don't I've know. Sto- I've got a story about trash talk in the modern NBA today. And Joe's prominently featured in that. Okay. So Joe Ingles comes out and in my view, I don't think he said this. I don't have any inside information, but I was watching the game came out with the goal of getting Jared Allen angry to the point where he would get himself ejected. And so he kept messing with Allen and messing with Allen and like cheap shot at him and got himself thrown out of the game. <laughs> because he was trying to, because he was trying to get Allen thrown out of the game, so that the Jazz would have a chance to knock down one of the bigs. And you know what? I don't necessarily like it, but I respect what he was trying to do. So that was just a little. They, funny they didn't have a whole lot of shot, uh, out, you know, outside of that. That's for yeah, sure. The Cavs won by twenty. Okay, so um, the point is that if the Pacers want to move Miles Turner, one of the teams that I have been told that is interested is Portland, and this is a this is illustrative of what I think the Blazers are looking at. They're not going to have a fire sale. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to gut this team and start a three-year rebuild. They just want to take some guys who they may not need this year and turn them into guys. So like, look, if miles Turner does truly become available and get moved, there's a number of teams that are going to make offers. Yeah. Like the Minnesota Timberwolves are a team. I know that's interested. Bontemps has talked in the past about how Charlotte is a team that's interested. And that would be a really good fit. They've been looking for a, a big of that quality for a while, but you know, that's Dallas a type has of come move up in that conversation. Right. So that would be, an interesting move, that type of move for Portland. And so that's why I bring up CJ McCollum's name. Um, because, you know, that's the type of, of trade that, I mean, you couldn't trade from straight up. McCollum makes, makes way more than Turner. But that's, you know, and so this really comes down, Bontemps, 
is this now the moment? And I don't know what McCollum's recovery timeline is, you know, from this collapsed lung, but you know, he has two years uh, after this year, he has two years and in, in the neighborhood of 70 million left on that deal, 67, 68 million. It's a lot of money, but it's not five years. Um, does CJ McCollum move between now and February 10th? Yeah. I mean, again, that it, like you said, this is, if you're Portland and you're looking to move around your guys, you would think he's a guy that, you know, they would try to move on from if they can, just if for no other reason than to balance out their books a little bit. Cause if you're paying, if, if you're keeping Dame going forward, you're paying the two of them, what, $80 million, $85 million, something like that. The next mm-hmm. couple of years, like that's just hard. It's hard to build your team um, around, really anything more than that if you have those two guys on your roster. So, yeah, I mean, look, I think, you know, like I said before, if you're an early committer to selling in this market, I think you're going to get a chance to really reap the rewards of that. And if I was Portland, I would be on the phone today about Nurkic, about Covington. I'd be exploring what I could get for CJ. I'd be exploring what I could get for Larry Nance. I'd be I'd be trying to get what I can for these guys, even if it is, like you said, just a maybe get a little younger or guys on a couple of your deals and try to push it forward to next year, whatever your plan is. I, I just think when you look at this market, there's not a lot of teams that are going to want to sell. And if you decide to now, it'll it could really benefit Covington? you a lot. Who, who do you think that would be in the market for Covington? I mean, almost everybody. I, would I mean, think. I would think a lot of teams. Yeah. I mean, again, the Lakers. wings, I mean, the Lakers, he would be, he'd be, if the Lakers are going to play small, he'd be a good fit for them. Uh, big man's Mavericks, I think could maybe make some sense if they're going to try to play smaller. Um, he'd be an interesting fit with them, but yeah, I mean, you could Robert Covington. The reason Robert Covington to man's point has been traded for what feels like a thousand first round picks is because every team needs a guy who can make threes at six, eight and long and can guard multiple spots. Like that's, that's what everybody's looking for. So they could certainly probably get another first forum. And look, some of the teams that might be interested in Turner would also be interested in Nurkic. I mean, they're not the same player. Right. Turner is a one of the best shot blockers in the league. Um, Nurkic when is Nur- more of a when bruiser. Nurkic is when Nurkic is when Nurkic is on, man, he's really good. I mean, he's he, a bruiser. Nur- Nurkic is a really better offensive player. Turner's obviously an impact defender, and Turner thinks he's a much better offense player than he's been able to to show in Indiana. Yeah. Very good shooter, though. Very good shooter shot blocker. I mean, if you if you're looking for I mean, if you talk about stretch fives like, you know, Turner's leading Uh, the league uh, in blocks and three and D big man. Well, I mean, yeah, really certain degree. Yeah. And he's gotten better. He wants to be more than that, but that's what he's been. That's right. And he's gotten better as a rebounder in the last couple of years. Um, I think his defensive rebounding numbers are better this year. So, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that would be doing extension on some teams, too. He's got a year left on his contract. He can extend. And um, I think he wants to extend. So a team that would trade for him would also have to say, well, there's going to be that discussion. Um, well, so, if you're trading for a center, like we said before, there aren't that many teams that are interested in centers. You would think for both of these guys, so it's harder with Nurkic because he makes less money compared to where he'd want to be. Um, yeah. You'd think both, you'd think any team that would want to give up assets for those guys would want to extend them if they could. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the Blazers, I think are going to be a team that for, unfortunately for Blazer fans are going to be, you know, they're not going to probably enjoy this next month, but um, it could be a very important time. And they're working with an interim um, general manager. Well, if they end Joe up with Paolo Benchero and or Chet Holmgren in a few months, it'll be worth it. Well, listen, and, and I'll, I'll say this to encourage Blazers fans. They've got Dennis Smith Jr. And if they let him play a lot, the last time Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> got a ton of minutes, the Mavericks ended up getting Luca. So, you know, I'm just saying. But they, that's the thing, though. Simons is going to be getting those minutes. 
So, um, but they did guarantee Dennis Smith's contract. They've so got hey, they, they've got to play. They've got to play two guards, brother. And I'm not sure how much uh, if we'll see Dame at all. And then you know, yeah, we're talking about moving CJ. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of guards who are um, uh, very highly popular and, and will never be traded, um, <laughs> I think it's I think it's very difficult at this point to not discuss Russell Westbrook. Um, on his fourth team in a five-year Supermax <laughs> deal. Can it get to five? Will anybody else take? <laughs> I don't know, man. I know I like I see people talking about Russell Westbrook trades out there, and Bon Temps and I were talking about this yesterday, and we're like, how? Like, uh, I can't, I keep seeing people popping up. Uh Westbrook for Wallace, like they've already done that. Like the Rockets, you you th- the Rockets have enough issues sitting wall out. You think they want to have like if they traded for Westbrook again, do you think they're actually going to put him on the floor? And could you imagine say, hey, Russ, we don't want you to play? No. So good yeah. luck. Yeah. So um, only do 47 mil next year. Oh, it's a player option. What do, you, <laughs> I, I what do we pick, think? I, I would pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me too. So uh, the Lakers lost Wednesday night uh, in, in Sacramento. It was a tough loss. Um, the they had a 14 point lead in the first half. And look, there's a number of reasons why they lost this game, but Westbrook has got just a target on his back right now. No, um, no the, bas- the is- basketball gods made sure they lost this one. <laughs> Malik Monk <laughs> off the glass to uh, to LeBron for the dunk, and then the King to, to give the Lakers a two point lead in the third quarter. Kings going a nineteen to two run after that. The basketball gods said, "You can't be doing that, LeBron. You can't." <laughs> now you sound like now you sound like Berman. Berman was all angry last night that RJ Barrett did a reverse dunk in the fourth quarter. Mark Berman of the New York Post. But but, but Grumpy LeBron with the Grizzlies scolding the Grizzlies. You don't be saying mean things. And and then then he was going to show both. That was very amusing the other day. uh Anyways, go on. How about this? How about this? Every time Westbrook uh, missed a shot last night, which which was a lot, he was 2 of 14. It's cold as ice. (laughs) The Kings game. The Kings actually played that for listeners. Listening to McMahon singing. Yeah, truly they, incredible. They they play. What, what are the lyrics? What it's I know the word that rhymes is sacrifice. Cold as ice. What are the what are the actual lyrics? Nobody, yeah, nobody knows. I don't remember. I can you, look it. I can because look sac- it up if because you sacrifice want. with with Russ is kind of humorous as well. He's <laughs> no, not he one who that. necessarily <laughs> sacrifices uh, in in a, in a basketball sense. I'll say that. Uh, he after the game he was asked about it and he said, "I hope they played that the last fourteen years." Um. <laughs> Which, you know, like that's, you know, in all honesty, like he's like, I would be upset if I was him about that too. It's, it's disrespectful, but I got to say, um, that's kind of the Westbrook mentality. Yes. Uh, and I don't mean just mean with Wes, uh, with, with Russ, I mean, like with all of Westbrook supporters, it's not about the last 14 mm-hmm. years. It's about now. You're willing, right. you're as cold thing. as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Well, he's not, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> Russ still thinks like that. Russ only knows one way and that is perennial all nba i'm the man it's my show i want to you know let me be russ i need to i need to play my game you know it's, it's like right. he's he not be, playing he's, his game right now well, this is, well, this know, is but, why but he, he's, still, he's just not he's not playing it well but my point is mm-hmm. it's like when he came to houston they had to kind of you know shuffle everything around and fit everything to him and even with james Harden, it's like no i need to play my game you know, that's why it made no sense for LeBron to that's right to make this happen because dude, that's right. Russ has never been a complimentary guy. You know, KD reached a point where he's and I'm sure there are other factors, but 
KD reached a point where he's like, I don't think I can win with him because Russ is going to be a ball dominant guy who's going to take a lot of shots and make all the you know decisions on. And the problem is, if he's not ball dominant, then he's a major minus because you don't teams don't guard him and he doesn't do anything without the ball to to contribute. No, absolutely. I mean, we talked about this going back to the summer. The idea that the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook to play with LeBron James, you know, maybe the best on-ball player of all time, was completely insane. It never made any sense. And we've seen it play out exactly how, you know, this isn't any kind of like hindsight is 2020 thing. Anybody who could rationally look at this back in the summer was like, this is destined for failure for all the reasons you said. This guy is not going to fit playing off the ball. And the other day, after that Memphis game, colleague Dave McMenamin starts to ask Russell Westbrook a question that begins with, from a point guard's perspective, and Russ starts laughing in the middle of his question, which to me seemed to be an indication. And then after a few seconds, when Dave, there was a pause, because Dave wasn't sure what was going on, Russ said, go ahead and ask your question. Dave's question was going to be, from a point guard's perspective, what did you think of how John Morant controlled the game today? And to me, that was an indication of Russ saying, I'm not the point guard. LeBron's the point guard, which lately LeBron has had the ball more. Russ has had the ball less. As a result, right. Russ's turnovers have gone way down. I think he's so had the last two or four three. games. Last four games, he has only four turnovers. Right. And I think two um, of them, he had no turnovers. Yeah. And like one correct. basket. Right. And he's shooting and he's 24% shooting. from the field or something. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's so that's not that's know. not an ideal shooting guard spot. You know, the other thing is, like, again, I don't think the Lakers are 500 just because of Russ. They've had injuries. Obviously, AD is out right now. So when you look at the Lakers as a team, it's very hard to judge them and say, oh, this is, you know, this is who they are when they don't have their second best player. And I just have to be fair about that. And I yeah. still think, you know, it's like a race car. If, if everything is clicking 100% perfectly, I think the Lakers have capability to, to do damage with this team. But it's just hard to keep it all aligned, and especially with Westbrook. And But one of the reasons why he gets so much blame, guys, is because how often he looks so bad. And, there, like, and, and because of the unwillingness. Like, yeah. Go, the unwillingness like or inability to adapt. Of course. But he shot like 20 air balls this year how many passes has he thrown you had the great line he throws the ball so deep into the crowd that it's over the celebrities the <laughs> yes. games. that was one of your best lines of the year um there's a lot I to mean, choose from like his air balls and then, and then uh wednesday night the lakers are down four with uh, how much time was left so it's like a minute and change a minute yeah about a minute and he dribbles like 15 seconds out of the clock and then takes a preposterous three-pointer yeah. Right. That wasn't and, and, close. And, and he pointed out, you know, when they asked him about it, he said, well, there's four seconds left on the shot clock. Not a lot of great options. Like there's four seconds left on the shot clock. Why? Like, yeah. When, when the ball left your hands, there was four seconds left on the shot clock, but there's 20 seconds before that to figure out something better. Well, and this okay, goes back so, to your point. And there's also McCann. LeBron standing there like, right. This goes back to your point before about how in the summer, the thing we kept hearing was about how this time is going to be the time that Russell Westbrook was going to change, that playing with LeBron James, playing with Anthony Davis, they had this big summit and everything was going to change and Russell's going to be different. Like, no, you know, this, it, this it, is never going to happen. He's never going to be different. In some ways, it reminds me of what had become an annual summer tradition of the Dwight Howard giving, I think he, he ran through like every single outlet 
Yes. And, and gave the interview. Oh, I get it now. I'm going to change. I'm going to. Yes. Now, two major differences there. One, Dwight got to the point where like the money was going less and less and less and less and less until it got down to the minimum. Two, Dwight was very well equipped to actually change in terms of his game physically, you know, what he can do very well. He was very well equipped to adapt into being a role player, right? It just took the, the middle. Right. Russ, Russ is not equipped from a basketball skill perspective to adapt into a role player. Now I am, if he decided, Hey, I want to be, I'm going to try to do some Bruce Brown type stuff offensively, some Gary Payton, the second type stuff offensively. I'm curious to see how that would work, but it's a, it's a non-starter because there's no way that Russ is going to look at himself and be like, okay, I'm the fourth or fifth option offensively. Let me figure out how I can contribute in that role. He just well, is not going to do that. Well, and the other difference between Bruce Brown and Gary Payton and Westbrook is that those guys are really good defenders and Westbrook is yes. a disaster at that end. And he, you know, if, if he changed his mindset at that end of the court, it might be different, but, um, you know, if he doesn't do that, then it doesn't matter if he's doing that stuff on offense. Cause that's those guys finding ways to supplement their defensive value by giving you stuff on offense. Gary Payton's frankly right. become even a good shooter this year. Like he's taken a step yeah. beyond that, but the, you know, we've talked about this on the pod before I've long compared Westbrook to Allen Iverson in that those guys have hall of fame careers built out of sheer will and determination to play the way they and think freakish they athleticism and freakish athleticism. And Allen Iverson's career ended very abruptly. And he basically was like, I'm not coming off the bench. I'm my, my thing is done. And it just yeah. sort of went this way. He, and, he was not willing to adapt as his career. And well, was, he hung on for a little while. I remember he went to Turkey and then he played for the Grizzlies for 15 well, minutes. He, he played I was going to say the, he played. I think he went to Turkey after that, I think. Yeah, fact, I, mean, I don't think he actually played a home game in Memphis. He played three games for the Grizzlies. Yeah. But the, the point is it, it ended quick. And I, I'm not I'm not saying that part of it's the same. His, but re, like, his, his time as a as a as a relevant player ended. Quick. Right. To the to the end, Iverson was never going to change. And it just feels like that's exactly the same thing we're talking about here with Russ, because he's just. Okay, but let's. Okay, this is so, how so he's become what, a Hall of Fame player. Okay, so for the for the for the purposes here of going forward, we know that this that it is what it is. If if you're a Lakers yep. fan, you still think this is going to work out in in like in this current manner. I don't know. I can't. I don't have to tell you. So now what? What are their options? I don't think a trade is an option because the don't only either. way that they're going to be able to trade them is if they include some sort of draft pick. They only have one first round pick that they can trade in either 27 or 28. They yeah, they can't, can't trade they both. can't, they can't trade Westbrook. That, Let's just move on. From okay. That. All right. So I, well, they could, but they couldn't trade him and get better. Okay. So, well, I mean, you um, could argue they could get better just not having him on the team, but I'm not even sure case, they could trade. Well, you know, him. I'm not even sure they could trade him. That's what I'm talking about. Like, okay. So for, forget for a second about trading and put the trade machine down. Right. I think the, the thing is, is like in, 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 if, if you're in a close game at the end of the game, you gotta take them off the court, boy. I tell you what, that's the first. That's, that's the first place to start. Well, listen, I had I had an executive say to me in the off season. And I think I've said this on the pod before, but maybe not. That this could work. I said, well, "What do you think of this Westbrook thing in LA?" And they go, "Well, I think it could work if they're willing to bench Westbrook at the end of games." And I was like, "Well, if they're benching Westbrook at the end of the games, this is going to become a giant mess." Yeah. Hey, so, hey, hey, Frank Vogel, we gave you a, a, a one year extension, right. which basically was essentially you took out a billboard outside of. Uh, the Staples Center, crypto.com, 
and said, Frank Vogel has no job security. You put that right above the, the arena. Okay. <laughs> flew, and now flew, you're saying flew a flag and, over the and, arena. And, and hey, this, so this future Hall of Famer who has the most pride, maybe of any player in the league, uh, bench him in crunch time, coach with no job security. Sure, sure. And by the way, the, the GM who is the best player of this generation, okay? The, the GM is the one, he's the one who brought him here. So then LeBron, it's not just Frank Vogel has to answer the questions. LeBron has to answer all those questions. Hey, LeBron, you, you know, you, you brought Russ here. Now you guys are, can't even play him in crunch time. What the hell, man? You got to do what you got to do. And, you know, they're going to be getting Kendrick Nunn back soon. And not that I'm saying Kendrick Nunn is going to be the answer, but that's going to give them some more options on the perimeter. Oh, if they bench Russ for Kendrick Nunn, well, I'm boy. just saying, I'm just saying, if you are down by four points with less than two minutes to go, one of your guards should not be a guy who shot 20 air balls on threes this year. I mean, I don't think that's a hot take. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. That doesn't mean it's going to be an easy no, thing to I, do. No, listen, if, I, I, no, I, I think if, you're playing, if you're none playing, of us, if you're none playing of us NBA are 2K, I agree. If you're playing NBA 2K, I agree. If you're dealing with the right. actual human beings involved here, I think it's a hell of it's real easy for us to sit here and say it on a yeah. podcast. Yeah, I all of us agree tactically what makes sense, but this is not we're not playing spreadsheet basketball, right? Like that's that's if you if you are start sitting Russ in games like that. That is a nuclear option. And and listen, it's it it very well may be the thing they end up needing to do. Maybe it's the thing they end up doing. If but- you do that, if if you want to do that, call up the Rockets, say, hey, how many picks do we have to include with Russ? Uh, we'll take John Wall. Any, they've got like a, a couple of seconds and a 2028 first. I mean, okay, 2028 first, and and please, please, Rafael, please. And let the Rockets deal with a Russ buyout. Because if you're doing this, you're getting to a buyout conversation real quick. Well, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I just, um, I, I, I got to say that the LeBron James that I know, and he's changed, you know, I haven't spent as much time with him because of COVID and everything. Um, the LeBron that I always knew, if his team was 500 at midseason, and he was playing like this because it happened a couple of times. I mean, it happened one time yeah. for sure in Cleveland. And another time they weren't 500, but they might as well have been. And LeBron was like, no, no, I'm not using a year of my career 
on this. And but it's LeBron's problem. fault. Well, he did this. Even, even set that aside. But, that, that, but, but that's set fine. That aside. So, but set you that have to aside. look forward. You can't look right. back. You got to look forward. Set set aside whoever made the trades. Okay. Don't let's just put that uh, again off to the side. Sort of like the Westbrook trade discussion. The other thing you have to look at now is the Lakers have nothing to trade. They have two players on their roster outside of the three stars who are making over the minimum. Taylor Horton Tucker is making about nine. And Kendrick Nunn is making about five. Right. So. They have those two guys and one pick seven years from now to trade. Do, do That's you it. think do you think they'd have been in better shape if they would have been willing to part with Taylor Horton Tucker and gotten Kyle Lowry last year? I mean, I yes. Just, just, well, just, we, we don't need to go over that ground from a year ago on the, or from eight months ago on the pod when I said I, that they absolutely should have made that trade. But just an innocent question. No, it's, but it's I'm just a, saying, like, we, like we gotta focus on going forward, and that's what right. they gotta they well, gotta look, be working I on. think if to me, like you talk about Kendrick Nunn coming back, to me, if I'm the Lakers, I'm putting Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn together, and I'm going and trying to add another piece around them. We talked last week about Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon would be a pretty interesting fit on the Lakers. He signed for next year, he's shooting 44% from three. He could switch on defense if they're gonna commit to playing small. He would be a guy who'd be in their closing lineup like that. That's a guy who could materially help them a lot, I think. But like and to me, the that's way, the kind of Gordon, moves they have to try to make. Gordon had 31 points on 10 shots last night. They beat wow. the Spurs. And afterwards, he basically said, can I get some more damn shot? He basically is calling out the young guys. <laughs> the roster. Like, dude, when someone's that hot, get them the damn ball, especially so when it's me. Didn't I he also that, say like, that didn't he, didn't he also have because I was reading jo- I thought Jonathan Fagan's tweets on the Chronicle. I yeah. have to ask you about this. Didn't he also say something like when Jay Sean Tate had a couple isolation baskets in a row in the fourth quarter that he was like, yeah, they should have given him the ball more again too. It was like it's like he's, if, he's, our, he's if we're scoring, give us the ball. The <laughs> this is what happens when you have teenagers uh, playing on playing point yeah. player. And, and not listen, all, yeah. Gordon Gordon is a guy. He makes sense for the Lakers. He makes sense for the Cavaliers. He's I mean, another guy who makes sense for a lot of teams. Yeah, yes. we can go right on down the list of, of contenders. A guy who can space the floor, doesn't necessarily need a lot of plays called for him, can also handle the ball and is a, a solid, uh, somewhat switchable defender. There's going to be, so my, my point is, even if the Lakers want them, they're, I think there's right. going to be some competition. Maybe they, well, this maybe is they, a, thank you for right. saying that, but maybe, because this is the thing, like I know the Lakers fans are saying, Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant. Okay. If the Pistons were to trade Jeremy Grant, if they decide, okay, we are going to trade our best player, maybe Cade Cunningham will be their best player in a year. But right now, Jeremy Grant, Mm -hmm. who is still out with injury, is their best player. Let's say they come to that decision. There's going to be other offers. Yeah. Many other offers. Um, Especially, like Bontem said, and and when there ain't going to be a lot of sellers. This is like one of the most basic things when I have, when people bring trade ideas to me. They will say, how about these two guys for this guy? They're like, I really like that trade. And I will say, yes, it's a good trade offer. But remember, if that team trades that player, the other teams get to bid too. Yeah. And that's one thing you have to realize when you're in the trade machine, putting together your offer, you have to remember that it's not just getting an agreement. It's the other competition out there. And that's just, that's a factor. And so is it a decent offer? Maybe. Is it the best offer? That's what that's what matters. Right. This goes and back look, to my Gordon days covering makes the Brooklyn Gordon Nets. Makes like seventeen. He makes 18? about eighteen million dollars this year. Next does, year. Does does now Taylor Horton Tucker is a player that the Rockets would probably have some interest in. He fits their timeline. Right. Is that even enough? Does that trade even work? No, you could none. do him and none. That, yeah, it's enough. Does that? I haven't run the math. I don't need. Yeah, to it's enough. It, it's 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 only a couple million short. They're, they they okay. combine to make like fourteen and a half. This okay. goes back to my time covering the Nets at the beginning of my career when. 
Uh, they got all those players. Uh, they got Joe Johnson, all those guys, and they re-signed Chris Humphreys to trade him. And there was the Chris Humphreys, Marshawn Brooks, any first round pick trade package that just was like offered up for all sorts of players around the league. And it was like, oh yeah, the net, you know, the Nets, uh, and like all the Nets fans are like, oh yeah, we could trade Chris Humphreys and Marshawn Brooks in a first to get X player. It was like, that sure. Was, like, that was Marshawn, can... not Dylan. Not Dylan Brooks. No. Uh, Good idea but like, for the Grizzlies to keep Dylan Brooks, by the way. Yeah, no doubt. Little <laughs> not, difference between Marshawn and Dylan. Not not a bad not a bad way to go. But yeah, not like that's way. to your point, I, McMahon. I that's, got some Dylan Brooks shades. I there. I should have brought them onto the pod. You know, I just you know just as a reminder, the, I'm gonna the, get them. I'm gonna the, get them for our YouTube video. The Suns and the Grizzlies agreed to a trade, where the Suns thought they were getting Dylan Brooks, but the Grizzlies thought they were sending them Marshawn Brooks. And this to me like comes right out of like. The, but it was uh, a three way with Washington, right? Yes. I, I don't yes. even know, but yes, it but, was. It but was. I just I just picture like Veep. They're in the. They're in the. You know. In the front office, said, "We got Brooks. You got Brooks. Yeah, we that got Brooks. Wild, great that was job. Wild, that was a wild, this wild is, night. What a great pickup. That um, was a wild, wild night. <laughs> when that trade went down, and they didn't. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What Brooks did you get? I could just see Julie Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> uh, Gary, what Brooks did we get? <laughs> Dylan Brooks, right? You know, I just I, mean, I could go on and on with that. By the way, um, speaking of our video pod, we should we should tease that, Brian." Yes. If you want to see the official, the official Dylan Brooks Grizzlies giveaway shades, check us out on YouTube. That's the only teaser that's needed. Um, We will be doing a, we will be looking at the best players on their rookie contracts in the NBA. We're going to be doing, and let me tell you something. There was a vote that had to be taken within the group to determine how we were going to do this. And it was two to one, and it was a contentious vote. There was lots of. Uh, it's always two to on one. People. You two are doofuses, and I'm outvoted. It's always no, two to one. That wasn't the case in this that time. Was you not the case vote, this time, McMahon. So oh. we're doing a snake draft. Snake draft <laughs> <laughs> on the best players on their rookie contracts in the league. Best prospects um, in the league. Yeah, uh, guys on their rookie deals. Uh, so check that out. It'll be on. Um, on ESPN's NBA YouTube channel, as well as uh, we'll tweet. Oh, it out by the there. way, producer Jackson, our guy, he gave me the whole lyrics. Uh, after you're willing to sacrifice our love for cold as ice, <laughs> you n- listen, you never take advice. Someday you'll pay the price. I know. Oh, man. They should they should, they should have let it. They should have let it run for the entire next possession so that everybody could have <laughs> heard, heard that. Let it run um, till he takes his next bad shot. <laughs> <laughs> they had a, they got to quickly requeue it. Quick requeue. Um, how about? By the way, I now have in my search history the phrase uh, "Michael Malone and sexy." Ooh, I was looking for the quote from That's, Denver coach Michael Malone. You know, um, you can clear that history. I'm not. <laughs> you know exactly. <laughs> You're very familiar with how to do that. It's a it's a routine move for you. Um, so Michael Malone has, is on an increasingly, uh, strong campaign, uh, that Nikola Jokic, uh, who, who I, I believe is, did he win the most valuable player last year? I can't remember. Despite the most vicious anti lobbying campaign yeah. in the history of NBA media led by one Brian Windy, my, my, my vote for MVP, which was cast for Jokic is available on public record. Thank you. Um, so Malone has still, still you know, campaigned against him. 
Malone has been getting more and more. Uh, I'm not taking your bait. Malone has gotten more and more frustrated that Jokic isn't getting more um, respect for the way he's playing this year, which um, we were talking on this pod, like in early December, maybe even late November about how he was putting up one of the all time efficiency seasons ever, even or that early in the year. Uh, and he had this incredible quote. He said, um, Nikola Jokic is not sexy. His wife might disagree, but if you are a student of the game, you appreciate him. He, he might have, he's like, he doesn't have a sexy game. Um, he's just, there's nothing about uh, Nikola that's sexy to people. And that was hilarious because a lot of, uh, a lot of people came to Nikola's defense, both men and women, I'd like to point out. Um, and I joked with uh, some, of my, some of my friends at the Nuggets. I was like, listen, I know the ESPN, the magazine is no longer with us, but I will, I will petition them to bring back a special body issue shoot the before the before after naked with a horse and we can put this issue to rest boy i am just going to bite my tongue and not make any (laughs) jokes right now he loves horses Ah. okay let's keep it moving let's (laughs) keep it moving (laughs) uh you know what's crazy maybe i'm a dork but okay why is Luka Doncic's game sexy, but Nicole Jokic's isn't? Thank you. Luka, I'm serious. Like, listen, Jokic is just as brilliant and genius and creative of a passer as Luka is. You know, Luka's got the step back. Jokic has the, what is the Sambor shuffle? The, the wrong-footed version of Dirk's one-legger that's just as entertaining to watch. Um, honestly, I, 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 I don't know. There, there's a lot of things here. The Nuggets are always kind of a under-the-radar team. Hell, their own fans can't watch them play. That's probably part of the problem. But to me... I can't like, watch them play, and I live an eight-hour drive away. I'm not allowed to watch them play. There you go. There's that as well. To, to me, Jokic is actually an incredibly entertaining player to watch. Um so, and you know, I get what, I get what Malone's doing. He's getting his guys back, but it's, I mean, why isn't Jokic like dominant in the MVP conversation right now? Because the nuggets are mediocre and it's not his fault. It's because all his, you know, all his co-stars got hurt. But like, if the nuggets right now are a top three team in the West, Jokic would absolutely be right at the top of the MVP discussion, just like he was last year when he won it. And so, you know, I think I get what Malone is doing, but I think he is, uh, to, to, to put it in intellectual terms, full of crap. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. 
shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic in tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Yeah, I mean, look, like, like, like you said, I mean, LeBron James is playing great. Nobody is going on about LeBron being an MVP candidate because his team is 500. The Nuggets are one game over 500. Like this is, it, you just don't win MVP awards that way. And, you know, Jokic has been amazing, but Steph Curry's team's on pace to win 65 games. He's also been amazing. So, you know, yeah, and, and, this and is KD's sort of open team, and shut. KD's team is, is near the top of the East and, you know, had a, by the way, had a much needed statement win uh, last night. You know, Giannis I know he beat a good is, team. Yeah, Giannis is coming off of a championship. So, like, Jokic is in the MVP discussion. He's just in the down the ballot discussion because the nuggets aren't good enough for him to be more prominent. And that, that right. to me, that that's all it is. When you are an MVP, especially if you're a recent MVP and most, especially if you are the holder of the trophy, you cannot be underrated. The sheer fact that you are the MVP means that you're sexy. And, and, okay? and what was the voting last so- year too? It was like pretty convincing, wasn't yeah, it? 91 first place which out of the 91 first place poll, votes. Which the Bontemps poll predicted That's and true. which 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 drove me up a wall because of reasons we're not going to go into. But I'm just saying, like, with reasons, all with all you're, due you're respect, I'm not taking fate. <laughs> you just did. With all due <laughs> respect, we got you off your game. You are rattled right now. I'm like, I'm like Joe respect, Engel. If you if you are the MVP and you and you got the trophy and the ceremony and all that stuff, you are not underrated. But if Period. you're Mike Malone, would you rather talk about Nikola Jokic being overrated or the fact that the rest of your roster <laughs> right true. now stinks? That is true. And they ended up blowing a 28-point lead or something I'm sorry, like that. Michael Malone. Shout out. Well, to yeah, Cassie that's Albert. the thing. I mean, before, before the game, they played the Clippers the other night. Malone goes on this diatribe. And we all like Mike. He's a, or Michael, I should say. Uh, not that he's Michael. Be careful. Uh, I know. Uh, very good dude. Very good coach. He goes on this name change when he got hair. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to add that too, but I left it alone. Uh, he goes on this diatribe before the game about how Jokic isn't getting any respect. And then the Clippers score 28 points in the first half, 28 points in the first half, and then come back and beat his team uh, at the buzzer the other night. So that, that, I, that I think in a nutshell he's, sums up the why Nicole Jokic is not he's, leading the MVP discussion yeah he said after the game this is the type of loss that will keep me awake for weeks and i don't think he was really exaggerating uh, no I'm well sure and he then he not. said then he said but my players don't give a crap they're figuring out where they're going out tonight <laughs> i was like ouch. dang man ouch but, but yeah Jokic Jokic wasn't is going not out. a lack of respect it's a lack of quality actually, teammates right now actually yeah. i have seen Jokic. Jokic has been photographed at clubs post game this season. he was in my where, where if his brothers were in town i bet he was going out I bet you're right. And I bet nobody, I bet everybody left him alone. Um, before we go, something very interesting happened in the league um, within the last couple of days. We don't talk about betting on here very often. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a, a better at all, but I pay attention to it. And something interesting happened that this is going to be more and more of an issue going forward in the league. And I just think it's fascinating. David Purdom, who covers uh, sports gambling for ESPN.com wrote all about it, but this was, on Sunday when Clay Thompson made his return um, against the Cavaliers uh, at Chase Center. 
um, you may remember that Draymond Green has a calf injury. And um, he he injured it or tweaked it in the pregame warmups. And so mm-hmm. it was just, you know, he, he couldn't play. So the, it was decided, and this is kind of, I mean, I guess I get this, but I, I think it's kind of odd, but okay. Uh, Draymond, whatever. He's like, I want to be a part of Clay's return game. So the Warriors came to the Cavs before the game and said, Hey, Draymond is going to be out there for the opening tip. Then he's going to give a take foul and come out of the game. And the Cavs were like, okay, no problem. We won't like go run down and score a basket. And even the Cleveland and the, and the Cavs must have told their media or something. No, the, the Warriors announced it. They no, I know, but hold on. Yeah. Just hold on. So the, the, the Cleveland media members who were there tweeted that Green was out. Um, that came first. Then the Warriors put out a statement on Twitter what was exactly what was going to happen. And this was uh, nine minutes before the start of the game. The game was supposed to start. At, the game tipped off at 8.40 Eastern. And at 8.31 Eastern, the Warriors uh, PR Twitter. Well, the one, the one step in between, just to note this, Cavs Porter said he was out. Warriors announced him in the starting lineup. Then they put out this statement. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Then another minute later, because not everybody follows Warriors PR. Right. Uh, I believe it's an open Twitter feed. Um, yeah. It is. Uh, some Twitter feeds, some media Twitter feeds are, are closed because um, they announced like practice information on there and stuff. Um, but uh, Shams uh, Charania from the, from the athletic, I assume saw the, the wizards uh, announcement. And then he repeated the announcement. Um, and it was about eight. He, he did it about a minute later and there was about eight minutes before tip off at that point. And so what ends up happening is there's all of these, these lines on Draymond Green's over-unders, but more importantly, there's all these parlays that are available. And so betters who are really watching closely were able to get in there and place a lot of bets on unders uh, and then parlay them pretty quickly. And as a result, um, according to Purdom, it was seven figures in, you know, in the, some of the sports books pulled down the lines and they all did eventually, but it, but there was a delay. And this goes to the Warriors were trying to be transparent here. They announced what they were doing before the game, but because of who had the information when um, it caused this, uh, this delay. And there was seven figures, seven figures moved on this. According to Purdom, he has all these sources at the sports books. Some of the sports books paid out the win as uh, you know, Hey, listen, if you got the bet in and while that was still up on the board and you took the under on Draymond, I think he was like, you could take the under on seven points, uh, eight rebounds, eight assists or something. Everybody took the under who got their bets in. And some of the sports books gave that um, credit that as a win. Some of them held it up for a couple of days uh, to think about it. Um, but this is a thing. And, and, and this, and this is a, a unique one-off situation. This is a pretty rare event where a guy would do something like this, but Bontemps, the reason I think this is very interesting is the way that the NBA handles information when it comes to injuries and who's going to start. It is a regular thing that happens in the NBA where they will say that a player is a game time decision, but they but they know that morning he's probably not going to play. There are other times or or they know he's playing or they know he's playing. True. Uh, And there are other times where sometimes it really is a game time decision. The guy goes out there before the game. And he, and he tests out a sore calf and, they, and he says, yeah, I can't go tonight. And sometimes that happens. But even in that case, 
I can be standing there sideline watching. I can see him like shake his head. I mean, I've seen that. I've watched guys walk before the game and they go out there for 30 seconds and they can't do it. And they go in the back. I know he's not playing. And, um, but they, to be clear, it's that usually happens when fans are in there too. So you, if you're a fan, if you're some fan that's invested in this, you could stand there and do it. It's not like it's just media people that could do that. So am I, uh, do I have a bug up my, you know, what about this? Or is this something that is, um, I mean, if, if there's seven figures moving on Draymond green over unders, I mean, granted, this is a high profile game. So there's a little bit more action on this probably, but like, isn't this something that the NBA should be a little bit worried about? Does it, what I'm saying is, doesn't this open up the opportunity for mischief? And this is a clear example. I not that anything, not that anything, not that anything happened that anybody did on purpose, but doesn't this illustrate a potential problem for the Wendy's NBA? latest 85 year old man moment using the word mischief. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, I, I certainly think, since sports gambling has gone mainstream, I guess is one way to put it. Now that, you know, the, the leagues are now partnering with gambling yep. sites and you can go to a lot of arenas and bet now, uh, you know, I know you can in DC and a lot of these cities where it's legal. Um, you know, this the is, Grizzlies, this is all the Grizzlies have a, and the, uh, and the Suns they've got, you know, gambling related sports bars as part of the arena. Yes. So the, right. the college football right. national championship game in the Grizzlies the other night. Yep. Whenever, wherever it's Lost, legal, a lot of hey. places are. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you have inside information on uh, anything, McMahon? I did not have any inside information. I said, damn, as an underdog, I'm taking the money line. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people did that. Uh, but look, I think ever since that has happened, this has sort of been the undercurrent behind it, right? That like the, you're going to have questions about transparency around injury reporting and availability of players and, you know, any kind of insider information that can twist things in another direction. Now we could have a separate conversation about the validity of not paying out these bets, which sort of reminds me of when I don't remember if it was the DraftKings or FanDuel CEO said recently, uh, we don't, we don't want winners. Uh, yeah. you know, we don't want winners <laughs> well, as clients. He, I mean, nobody, no gambling operation. Wants I winners know, as but clients. it was just, an, it was just uh, hilarious. Like, it was just like, a hilarious line from say, like, obviously they don't want winners to, they don't, they don't want people to be giving, they don't want to be giving people money, but it was still a funny Listen, line. Bob Volgaris can't go into any, uh, Vegas book and, and lay down NBA bets now. Cause they won't, they won't do business with them. He won't do much. Have, money that's been them. the case for years, years, right. and years. Yeah. No. So that, so yeah, this is, this is clearly something that, um, is is you know this is sort of the other side of taking all this money from the gambling companies is that you at some point are going to have to deal with this other side of it and as this becomes more ubiquitous around the country now it's legal in new york city as of last week you know another huge market opens up in terms of sports betting i think it'll be available in massachusetts soon like you go around the country more and more places you can do this it's going to become a bigger and bigger problem if there's something like this that happens yeah, my thing is, I it's like, was it slick? Was it, I don't know, you could even say maybe dishonest for these people to get their bets down in that little few-minute window? Yeah, sure, but uh, I'm not going to weep for the casinos because, let me tell you, there's a reason that those buildings are so big and so nice because you know, the a few books years tend ago, to clean up pretty well. Yeah, That's a few right. years ago. So Sport Radar, which is a, they are working the gambling space. They work in data and the gambling space. Big company. I was at there. I was in London and I was at their security operations and I watched. Uh, I, I was watching, you know, they they have busted a couple of um, 
uh, match fixing um, stuff with soccer. Uh, in fact, like their big uh, trophy on the wall is that they they got a World Cup qualifier replayed because they identified some shenanigans in the betting markets in Africa and um, found out that a referee got paid off and all this stuff. Um, and I watched how they mon- now they, now they monitor the legal betting. They can't monitor the uh, the illegal betting that's uh, now underground, but their the computers notice any weird moving on stuff and um the 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 guys even took me through um several different i remember the guys i can't remember his name i want to say his name was nigel but i don't think that's right uh but he took me he showed me a couple of times where things happened in the nba betting were totally legitimate like i remember he showed me one where lebron was was had been announced to be out due to rest and then all of a sudden, like Ty Lu came out and said, "Hey, yeah, LeBron's going to play tonight," and he showed me the betting lines and how fast, from yeah. the initial tweets that it was going to move, that he was going to play. To he showed me like the computers mm-hmm. are equipped to handle the that variance, but it's not about that. It's not about the reaction of the sports books. It's about who has the information when. And but this in, this, in this case, it was public information. This was public, and when from the time yes, the Warriors it, announced the the yes. plan, that that because when he's out, okay, there's no bets to be made. From the time the Warriors announced, hey, he's going to play a few seconds here and then be out, basically for ceremonial purposes. It's public information at that point. If you can, it, you're essentially if you can beat the books online. If you, if you're quick well, enough sure. to, to grab your phone, then you know. But hey, I'm talking nice more about. Up. Yes, I'm talking more about how sensitive this is. That just that you know little event was caused you know a, a million dollar swing. So, um, all right. Well, you won't, you're not going to get expert sports gambling analysis here. I'm going to be honest. No, with you. I'm down. Maybe I'm, I'm I only bet on football. No, I only bet on football, and I only bet like five bucks a game. I'm down like forty bucks for the season. <laughs> <laughs> and that is your Tim McMahon pick of the week. All right, thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to McMahon. Everybody have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Requires Gemini device and additional paid subscriptions to watch Netflix and other third-party apps. Terms and restrictions apply.